right. How many got your Bibles today? Let's get them in the air. Whether it's your phone, whether it's your, your Bible with paper, whatever you got, let's declare something and make the devil nervous. Sound Amen. good? Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I can have. I can have. What the Word of God. What the Word of God. Says I can have. Says I can have. I can do. I can do. What the Word of God. What the Word of God. Says I can do. Says I can do. And I can be. And I can be. What the Word of God. What the Word of God. Says I can be. Says I can be. How many love your Bible a little bit? I love it a lot. How many believe the Bible, you know, about 50% of the time? I believe it 100%. Yeah, we need to love the Bible a lot, and we need to believe it 100%, because there is a war against the book you are holding. The devil hates it. There's, uh, yeah. So, we're not of those people. We love the Word, and the Word will save us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. It is our treasure. We value it. We read it. We study it. We take care of it. And the word is taking care of us. So, Father, we just thank you for revelation. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. You bring insight, revelation. You lead us into all truth. And, Lord, you give us a spirit of knowing. So we know the truth that sets us free. But, Lord, you've also given us the ability to discern things that are not true. So, Father, we are diving right into the truth, and we are free, and the fruit is being produced in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've been going through the churches in Revelation. How yep. many have been, been getting something out of it? We've been going through the seven churches, and... Uh, yeah, do we got the little thing of the seven churches? Where are we at? So, we've done... Patmos, that's where, that's the Alcatraz, so to speak, that the Apostle John was sent to, to just be banished because he was a, a threat to society for preaching Jesus. Can you imagine that? It blows me away. So, uh, Jesus gave him a, a message to the seven churches of uh, Asia Minor. I mean, we don't think of that as Asia, but it's actually Turkey. So, Ephesus went there. What, what happened in Ephesus, babe? Well, it was a megachurch. Um, and, but they'd, they'd lost their first love, and that was Jesus. And so he was reminding them to return to their first love. Yeah, that's good. And then we went north to Smyrna, and uh, everyone say Smyrna. It's like Smyrna. A, it's like a cartoon or something. Uh, what happened in Smyrna? There was great persecution going on, and this is the one church that he actually never rebuked. This was the church that um, he was trying to encourage them to still stand firm. When you've done all to stand, you what? You stand. Well, that's good. And then we went up to the far north church to Pergamum. And what happened in there? What, what was well, that, that was about? The, the gem of them all. Um, that was uh, the gem of the Roman Empire. And it was also the where there was a lot of Greek mythology going on. This is also where in the temples... Um, there was a lot of darkness going on in the temple. Yep, yep. This is where Antipas was martyred, and we also discovered that Antipas was what they were calling all of the Christians, those who were serving Christ. They were anti-everything. And uh, this is also where Jesus talked about don't take on the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans. And we discovered 
that the, the Nicolaitans, what, what was it that they stood for? They stood for compromise. They stood for tolerance, tolerant of sin that you just got to accept, accept it. Just blend in. Just blend a, in. And be a Christian. Yep. So then we start going east to the city of Thyatira, and there was a church there. Thyatira, what was that about? Thyatira that was, was the big, week. that was last week, and that was the big military base. That was, they were, uh, they were there to be able to protect um, all of those coming in from the east that were attacking them. They were there to protect Pergamum, because Pergamum was the gem of the cities. And so, big military going on there, um, and he went on to tell them they were a hardworking church, but... Some had also given um, an ear to the, the, the woman there who was a self-proclaimed prophetess, uh, the Jezebel. She wasn't actually called Jezebel, but he was referring back to the Old Testament. And we learned all about the Old Testament there where Jezebel was and what that looked like, um, giving into idolatry and fornication. Wow. Yeah. So that church had some issues that the Lord wanted to take care of. So that's, that's a review. You got, now, if you want more detail, because you missed a lot, it's all online. You can go back. You can listen to those, uh, those sessions. Right. So let's get into the church, uh, uh, Sardis. And uh, what a cool church. Um, you know, these churches were dealing with a lot uh, with the Roman Empire. And so Sardis was uh, a, a thriving city, but it... It was uh, an extremely wealthy city, a lot of money, a lot of influence there, and they at Used once, to be the capital. Yep, and uh, they had a kingdom, the, what's that, what do you say? How's Lydian. That? Lydian, ooh, Lydian kingdom, uh, and when King, Cro I don't even know how to spell, how do you say that? Croesus. Croesus. He ruled, he was said to have been the most wealthy person in the known world. So, do you got some pictures of uh, the so here's some of the ruins today in Turkey, and you can kind of see, I mean, look at those big, tall capital things and pillars and just amazing stuff, and some of the remnants left of buildings. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Over 2,000 years old stuff. And, and so this king that you're talking about, um, it is said that he got his wealth from, there was a river, uh, let's see, the name of the river was Pactolus. And that river had gold in it. And so they were panning the gold, and this city became very wealthy as a result of the gold in that river. And this was actually kind of a historical event that that was the first time in history that gold coins were made for currency. And so that's kind of an interesting little factoid there. And I think uh, we have a picture of the river too, don't we? Yeah. Is there a picture? There There's the river. And I guess uh, even today, they're still mining gold in the hills wow. and the uh, area around the city even today. So it still has gold. Um, should we tell the little story behind it? No? Okay. All right. We got to get through it all. We got to get through to the important yep. stuff. Yeah, we do. Okay. So they had a lot of gold. They were wealthy. Uh, they uh, were invaded in 546 B.C., uh, by the Persian Empire and were taken over. And it's interesting, though, because part of this history is part of what Jesus has to talk to them about, and he's going to parallel their history to some spiritual issues. So it's important that we know this. 
and they had this fortress that was deemed the, uh, so strong and so impenetrable that the people called Sardis, called that uh, fortress the most safe place in all of the world. And they built this up on a hill, and I think we do have a picture of the, of the hill. Yeah, so. there it is. So up on that mountain in the background there. The was a fortress, so steep, yep. tall, and yep. armies couldn't uh, in, uh, conquer it. Right. So um, where King Croesus, now I'm having a hard time saying his name, Croesus, he was there until the Persians took over, and the Persians took over in 546 B.C., and even though it was considered strong, it did get taken over. We'll get into that. And then in 133 B.C., it was taken over by the Romans and part of the Roman Empire. And so during the time of this letter, the Roman Empire still ruled in that area. But the people were very familiar with that. And Sardis is also another, we see some of the effects of Sardis uh, in the book of Acts because they were steeped in the worship of uh, uh, Artemis and uh, also known as Queen Diana or, you know, of the ancient world, they worshiped him. And in the book of Acts, remember, they uh, were coming against the idol worshipers that made the idols. And uh, so that was kind of an interesting thing there. But they funded, there was so much wealth, they funded the great temple of Artemis in the city of Ephesus. And it was known to be one of the most, the, one of the seven wonders of the world. So they had a lot of money, a lot of influence. And with that money and influence, they were pushing re their worship into other cities in the area. And so, so that's... There in Sardis during the first century is when uh, men started wearing women's clothing. I know we all think that that just happened in our day and age, but no, that happened then. And um, they became known as called sexually defiant culture. Does that sound familiar? You remember, history just repeats itself. History is not a, a line, <laughs> a linear line. History is circular. It repeats itself as it moves along. Yep. So um, they became defiant in that um, a lot of gay behaviors were taking place, and that was considered fashionable in that culture. And uh, so we arrive on the scene where missionaries come to Sardis with the light of the gospel. And there was many getting saved here in Sardis. The church was beginning to boom. Uh, the church was built in the city. And God loved the church in Sardis and loved what they were doing. However, he had a little correction for them. And uh, I love how God is, is loving towards us, and yet when God wants to get our attention, if we're listening, which on the end of each one of these churches, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That message is still for us today. Amen. If you have ears to hear, please listen, because there are warnings from God. And so there's a warning coming up. You know, it's interesting is this is the beginning of the book of Revelation, these first two, uh, second and third chapter. But we all know what comes on in the latter part of its, its prophecy about the day we live and the days ahead of us. And so this warning is a precursor. Again, history repeats itself. And so the Lord is not giving a warning to this church in that time, but he's giving us a warning today because a lot of the things that are going on in these churches and the culture of that day is happening in our day and around the world. 
And so this message is alive and relevant to us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right. So let's get into it. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. Here we go. Verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. But, everybody say but. But you are dead. Uh-oh. So, yes. So what was the, the things, that the behaviors and attitudes that were in the city at that time, what the people were doing, was starting to infiltrate into the church. The church was beginning to compromise. And the Lord's like, I got to have you on track and on point. So we got to make some corrections here. You have a reputation. You, you say that you're alive, and apparently this church had a great reputation. How many know you, you can only live on your reputation so long until your reality shows up? Yeah. The church was becoming numb. They were becoming dead spiritually. They were just, uh, you know, the, when he goes on to say about the seven, I just got to stop there, the sevenfold spirit of God, that is the Holy Spirit. And the church was becoming numb to even the Holy Spirit. I want to go through the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit really quick. And if you're taking notes, here you go. This is what the Holy Spirit is meant to do for you. Number one, give you wisdom. Number two, give you understanding. Number three, it is your counselor. It is to give you counsel. Number four, it is to give you might. In other words, you are to be strong in the Lord. You are to be strong in the word. It is to give you the might to stand up for what is righteous and right. It is to give you knowledge. God wants you to know things to come. Did you know that? That's why he even gave us prophetic things in the word of God so that you would have knowledge of things to come. The Holy Spirit is to help you to be godly. Do you know that it's good to be godly? Do you know that it's good that the light is so bright in you that when you step into darkness, that the light permeates the darkness? The Holy Spirit is also so that you will have the fear of the Lord. And I'm not talking about like you're scared of God. I'm talking about you are so in reverence and awe of God. You are so like, ah, oh, in God. But... It is also a fear. We, we need a holy fear of God. If How many you, know if, if it wasn't for it, God giving you breath, you're over. You're done. That's right. I that's mean, right. We need to have a, a holy fear of the Lord. And this is uh, these seven spirits. It's, it's interesting that this ministry of the Holy Spirit is a reference back to Isaiah who prophesied the sevenfold uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit on Jesus and so Jesus Isaiah 11. We're not, we're not showing it, but Isaiah 11 too. Remember I told you, you, you can do some of this homework at home. Isaiah 11 too. Look it up. It talks about what the Holy Spirit's job was there. So they had a reputation of being on fire, a great church, but they'd become numb and dead and, and comfortable, and that fire was going out. And so Jesus is bringing this warning. You, you think you're alive, that you're safe, that you're secure, but... You're in trouble. Wake up. I'm getting ahead of myself. But in trouble, sometimes we don't know what that means. What does it mean to be in trouble spiritually? 
Sometimes it's good to take an inventory of our lives. How many know when we take communion, the Bible says to examine ourselves so we're not taking God's communion in an unworthy manner? So there's times, and Jesus is really advocating them, you need to do a checkup on your health spiritually. And so I think, you know, sometimes we need to do the same thing. Absolutely. You know, and we just jotted down eight things of how do you know if you're in trouble? You know, if we're going to do a checkup, if we're going to know, have we slipped into maybe being a little numb, maybe a little bit dead, we just jotted down eight things to help us be able to go, oh, how am I doing? So number one, do you live in the past glories? Wow, it's really quiet in here. Do you live in the past glories? Do you know that God wants you on fire now? Not always looking back at, you remember when? Do you remember when? Do you remember when? You're becoming dead if all you do is look back. God wants you looking at what he's doing now. Number two, what's number two? Number two is uh, you live to serve yourself. You're just, you know, in it for you. You know, how you feel and uh, what you want. And that's kind of where, if you're in that place where everything's about you, you might be headed down you the road. You might be a little road. numb. You might be starting to go a little that direction. Because God is all about you serving others. What did Jesus show us as he walked the earth? He did he not come to be served, but, but to serve. serve. Okay, number three, you quit giving. You're not, you're not a tither. You're not, you're not giving in offerings. You don't, that, your money is all about you. You're not a giver. Wow, don't, don't get there. Yeah, number four. You don't share your faith with anyone. Oh, it got quiet again. We need to be people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he's done for you. Do you remember, you know, okay, remember the Ephesus church was all about that they'd lost their first love, right? So here we see if you're beginning to let things creep in and get you dead, it's because when you first come to Jesus, you are so excited that you want to tell everyone God, look what God has done. Now, I got saved as a little girl, but even as a little girl, I was so excited that I wanted to tell everyone. I'd go to the playground and ask God to bring some little girl to me that I could tell them about Jesus because I was so in love with Jesus. And that's never left you because I get to hang out with this beautiful <laughs> woman, and we're in grocery stores and getting coffee, and she's sharing Jesus. Hey, can I pray with you? I mean, just it just is in her. It's, it's, it's part of her, and that is such a contagion. You need, you need faith friends that stretch you spiritually. Uh, we, had, we had some youth what, at youth camp. Man, they're out sharing Jesus to over 50 people in Leavenworth at, as a competition. Then they realize this isn't a competition. This is about Jesus. Forget the competition. Let's just do it to honor God. I mean, what a great thing. Yes. Amen. Wow. Okay, number five, you don't desire the Holy Spirit, his gifts, or his fruit. His fruit is something that you are desiring to cultivate and grow. Remember that? The fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Remember all those? Okay. His gifts, the gifts of the Spirit are in Corinthians 14 12. and 12. I'm going off my memory. So there's some um, revelation gifts. There's some power gifts. And there's um, uh, power, revelation. What's the other one? What? Utterance, speaking, utterance. Yes, speaking utterance. gifts. Thank you. 
So those are gifts that we should desire. Uh, Apostle Paul said in chapter 14, covet the covet gifts. Them. Covet these gifts. I didn't think we are supposed to covet. Jesus yeah, you covet that. You covet, covet the Holy How Spirit. How many's the last time you've coveted some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Hello. A little okay. challenge there. There's a challenge. Number, Number six. six. Joy and excitement about living for God has left you. You know, some people wake up, man, praise you, Lord, it's another day. But if you just wake up, oh, God, it's another day. You might need to check up on yourself a little bit there. Okay, I got to stop there for a second, though. Because I know you are a morning person, and you literally wake up with a whistle on your lips, and you are just all completely there. And I do love God in the morning. But I, I have to do this just a couple times before my brain actually wakes up. Not that I don't love him, but then I can get my whoo. Because when I first wake up, I'm just going, whoo. So anybody else like me that your brain just needs a few moments? <laughs> but as the day goes on, are you still excited about? Yes. You know Jesus. <laughs> you know, and the enemy wants to steal your joy. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. I'm telling you, he wants your joy. He wants you discouraged. Amen. Fight. To stay in joy. It's a gift of the Holy, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Number seven, how do you know if you're starting to go this direction? You're starting to get numb, dead. Your Bible reading becomes sporadic versus consistent. If you are alive to God and you are alive to His Holy Spirit, you are excited to read His Word. You are excited to read devotional books, to dive in, to study the Word. And, but if it becomes where, you know, you're, you're, you're missing, I mean, we all know emergencies happen in life, right? But if your emergencies start to become a norm, you might be starting to be what this church happened in Sardis. You might start to become numb or dead. You don't want to go there. It's not, not worth it. And last of the list uh, is you're a church pretender. You come to church, but it's only a show. It's really not who you really are when you're not in church. So those are some things just to think about and to maintain living for God in a passionate level. Uh, and this stuff we all have to battle. We are all working out our salvation, according to the book of Ephesians. So we need to keep working to stay alive and not How many not desire to stay to alive known. to God? Amen. Okay. So that let's, let's put some of these things into practice. So, so let's keep going. Let's go to verse 2. Verse 2. Here we go. Of Revelation. Verse 2. It says, wake up. Wake up. That's an important that verse. That is a very important verse. For what's verse. about, we're going to tell you later. <laughs> Everyone just say, wake up. Wake up. Say in someone's face next to you. Wake <laughs> up. God is using some strong language saying, you better get this. This is important. He's talking to the church of Sardis, but he's still talking to us today. And God is still saying to us today, wake up. You know, you only need to tell somebody to wake up. If they're, they're sleeping. Asleep. Yeah. We don't want to be sleeping on the job, do we? God has things for us to do. Here we go. He says, strengthen what little remains. For even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of God. Ooh. So the enemy had infiltrated. Inf filtrated into the church of Sardis, and they hadn't even noticed because they were asleep. You know, sometimes, how many know you, you fall asleep watching TV, and all of a sudden, 
you know, the cat's on your lap, or, you know, it's like, oh, what happened I didn't here? notice. You know, well, you don't want to be falling asleep spiritually, and you wake up, and the devil's on your lap. And so the people of Sardis, they had this fortress uh, up on the hill. Military experts said it was unpenetrable. It was an amazing place. It was the most safe place. And in their arrogance, they had a false sense of security. Are you hearing me? You know, Christians can have a false sense of security. Oh, man, I'm saved. I'm good. But they don't really live honorable to God. So, you got something you want to add? No, Keep I'm just, moving? you okay. know, what, what happened is they thought they were good. But cracks started to happen, and they didn't take care of the cracks. What? So, they began to be lazy. They weren't taking care of some little thing. How I many of you know the little things in life? Eh, I mean, that's a little thing, a little white lie. You know, I know it's kind of a sin, but it's not a bad well, let's sin. Let's be There's honest, time with God. You know, your prayer life, your prayer life. You, you think it's, a, it's not, it's not going to hurt anything. If not I killing didn't, anybody. If it's I didn't pray today, if I didn't, didn't read the word today, it's just a little thing, right? But it is a crack in your foundation. So they began to neglect the fortress and... Uh, as the years went by, some uh, cracks became more open. And uh, so one day the city fell into captivity because they didn't take care of those little cracks in their foundation. How about and the crack of, you know, even with time with God, of procrastination? Say I'll get no to it later. To crack, by the way. Oh, dear. Just a little public announcement. I, I know, I know. And I know that can go a lot of directions. I'm just trying to get my mind back to focusing. <laughs> you just keep going. Just don't look up. Anyway. Yeah. One of the great enemies of life and a friend of Satan is procrastination. I'll do it sometime. I'll do it later. I'll pray for the festival tomorrow. I just had to throw that I'll in get there. Right with God I'm telling you, church, later. you should this week be really praying for next Sunday that God uses you. That God uses you. Because you're out there just among people just as much as all of us. Next Sunday is about you sharing Jesus. Next Sunday is about you deciding, I'm going to grab my neighbor's kids and take them with me. Maybe your neighbor kids will get saved. I mean, who do you have in your life that needs Jesus? And if you're here and you're thinking, I'll get right with God tomorrow, but, I, you know, I want to go do some sinning today, not a good place to be. Not a good place. So, live for God today. Take care of some things. Ask for forgiveness. You know, that's another thing. Forgiveness, I really think it's one of the biggest things that we deal with next to salvation is we don't forgive people. I mean, that's... According that's to Jesus, a crack. that's a crack. That's going to keep us out of the kingdom of God. Okay, that might be a big crack in the foundation. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about the statement where he says, "Strengthen what little remains." What does what does that look like? Strengthen what little remains. You know, it's several years ago we had uh, a windstorm come down through Pearl Street, and we got as you drove up the church, we got those trees that are kind of a little becoming a. They're beautiful. Yeah but a canopy as you drive through there. Well, several years ago, we had this windstorm, and there's 10 trees there, but one tree decided, 
you know, I can't hang on any longer. And so it started leaning over. And if you'll drive, it's on the north side. It's the third tree on the north side, the middle tree. And uh, the next day, Tom Grazian, bless his heart, took immediate action on that tree. So, I mean, the roots were starting to hang out. and It, was, it wasn't stable. So he propped up a, a post or something to brace that tree back upright. And it was there for a long time so those roots could get back and grow down into the earth and so it could strengthen itself. So that, that tree, that brace was there, and that's what he's saying, strengthen what remains. It was to give extra strength in case another strong wind blew. And it was also there uh, to keep it from not falling over. And that's exactly the picture the Lord Jesus is trying to tell this church. Strengthen so much is already gone, but you need to repair what little you still got, or you're going to lose it all. So here we have a picture of propping up a tree. Is it possible that as believers, when you see another believer beginning to fall, that you might help them out and help give them a little strength and a little boost and say, you can do this? Kind of help each other out? But that's messy. Uh, That is messy. It is messy. Let's be honest. It's messy, isn't it? You know, when Tom had to go prop up the tree and get those roots back under soil, he got dirty. You might have to get a little messy to help somebody out, but it's worth, it's worth it. You know, um, a couple weeks ago, my life got messy because I was helping somebody in dire need, a relative, and for 24 hours, my life was a little messy. I was texting them on the hour, and they were texting me, and it was a little dicey. There was some suicidal thoughts involved. But I had to prop them up. I had to remind them of who they were. You know, the wonderful thing about the time we live in is you can even help them over the phone. I was sending them songs that I believed would encourage them. I was sending them messages. Ended up having them at my home and prayed over them. And the spirit, that spirit that was attacking them was lifted in four hours. I got a great praise report. It broke. But it was a little dicey for 24 hours. Sometimes somebody just needs propped back up. Don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to help someone else when it gets a little messy. That's good. And so he goes on to say there in that verse 2, find that your actions do not meet the requirements of God. And so... The church of Sardis, they had not completed their God-given assignment. Amen. And so he's just like, come on, there's, this, there's still some work to do. There's still a need. I have need of you. And uh, keep, keep going. Shore this stuff up. Fix some stuff. Let's get moving. Get growing again. Start bearing fruit again. It's not too late. And sometimes we feel like if I only, if I had... If I was born in the right family, on and on and on. But we just got to start where we're at today. Even if we're in the midst of problems, even if somebody else has got to prop us up, we got to start walking on our own at some point. We got to start growing for me. I can't allow my wife to be my source to get to God. I got to grow for Greg. You know what I'm saying? 
Thank you. That was a good amen, lights. Right there, on cue. It's not so much how you start, it is how you finish your life. You Man, might have had some messy starts. It's about how you finish your life. One of my pastor friends, he's just having a horrible day. And he's like, man, Greg, I just totally messed up starting my church. He was only a couple years into his church. I'm like, dude, it's not too late. I mean, keep. it's not how you start. This isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. We're in it for the long haul. Just keep going. Here we go, verse 3. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. You know, you got to go back to remembering what it was like when you first received Jesus you know, I believe that sometimes we go along our journey of life, and we just want something new and exciting. I mean, am I the only one? You just want something new and exciting, and we have to really watch out that it's not the enemy just simply trying to get us off track. Right. Trying to get us off track of what God has called you to. You know, this, this might just, this is going to help somebody. God's told you and called you to something, but then as you're in the middle of it, sometimes, you know, the middle is not always fun, and it's so easy to, to go a different direction. When you, when you have heard from God, you better stick to what he's told you until you've actually heard another word from God. Because I see a lot of Christians jump and ship just because it's something new and exciting and God never told them to do it. And then they find themselves in a little bit of a predicament. You got to obey what God has told you until he's told you something different. You know, uh, the church of Sardis, they were called to be a blight in a dark place. And I'm sure it wasn't fun. So I've heard some people talk about the present state that we live in. I got to tell you something. see, September, whatever the first Sunday in September, uh, we moved into this building, I don't know. 2008. Yeah. September. And so the, while we're moving furniture and stuff into this building, had somebody show up in a black suit. I'm in the kind of the office area, and this guy walks in, and he goes, hey, what are you guys doing? You guys uh, doing church here again? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're really excited. And he goes, well... I don't mean to discourage you. And when someone says they don't mean to discourage you. They mean to discourage guess you. Guess what's coming? Well, you know, Washington is the darkest area in the country. Yeah, I've heard that. Well, you know, Tacoma is one of the darkest cities in the entire state of Washington. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, this north end of Tacoma is the darkest area of Tacoma. And I stood up and I said, praise God, we're in the right place at the right time to do the right thing. This guy thought he saw a ghost and bolted out. He's like, get out of here. You know, sometimes you just got to kick the devil out. <laughs> Never seen him since. <laughs> But, you know, the enemy will bring people into your life to discourage you. 
He, he really will. And they, they don't usually look like they have, you know, horns on their head and they're in a red cape. I'm just saying. They're just ordinary people that are being used to get to you. So let's talk a little bit about this hold fast. He says hold fast. Um, <laughs> you know, we, can I talk about the dogs, our dogs, yeah. our doggies? We have two doggies. I love our doggies. We have two chocolate labs. And um, we, we give them bones at times, you know, um, to chew on. And if you ever want to see the meaning of hold fast, you can watch our chocolate labs when they get their bones. Because I'm telling you what, they go to their separate corners and they are holding on to that bone. And if one doggy decides he's, he's pretty much done everything he can do to that bone, he might meander around to come close to the other dog that has working on his bone. And our, that dog is just, don't even get near me. I'm holding fast to this bone. I'm holding tight to this bone. That, he literally makes that noise. Because he's holding fast, like, you are not taking my bone from me. And it's interesting. Okay, so our older dog is eight, and then we have a one that's just not shy of a year old. And the one that is not shy of, that is not a year old, he is the one that has been tricked before. The eight-year-old will do tricks like this. Like, he'll go to the, we have a little cute little bucket that's got doggy toys. He'll go to the bucket to pretend like he's going to play with, with the other one. And he'll put his head in the bucket and rattle stuff around like, I'm going to play. I'm going to distract you and pretend like I'm going to play with you. And all of a sudden, the puppy has gotten up and left the bone to come over to play. And the eight-year-old darts across the room, grabs the bone, and he's gone. Oh, is right. Isn't that exactly what the enemy does? He gets you distracted, and then he grabs it. I'm telling you, hold fast to the word of God and his ways. Hold fast. Jesus taught about this in the pearl of great price. Remember that story, Matthew 13, 45? Man, the guy sold everything just to have this pearl of great price. If he could just have that, he would have everything. And that's what the Lord is telling this church. You have Jesus. You have the gospel. Hold fast. Don't let Go. Be ready for a fight. Enjoy it, but fight to keep it. Okay. Can let's, I hear an amen? Amen. Let's show them a couple pictures of that foundation. We've yeah. got to get to the cracks in the foundation. There it okay. Is. So, so this there. is the hill with the, the fortress above Sardis there. And we have one more picture. Yep. There we go. So it's way up on this mountain, and they just thought they were so safe and secure. So there's a story when the the King Cyrus of Persia. Have you ever heard of King Cyrus in the Bible? It's interesting. Um, little side note. He had to get this city because it was such a wealthy city of gold. So he took the gold from this city to help fund Nehemiah rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. So, yeah, crazy stuff here. So um, when he did that, he launched an attack against Sardis, and uh, the people ran up to this fortress, and they're just like, we're safe, we're good, and uh, so they retreated up there, and the soldiers, when a soldier was kind of doing his rounds on the upper wall and looking down and seeing what's going on, well, after a uh, time of fighting, the Persians just kind of retreated, but they didn't leave the area. They hid in the trees, 
in hiding places, and they were watching intently what's going on up in that fortress from down below. So this one soldier was walking around, and his helmet drops off the wall, goes down below the wall, the foundation, and rolls down the cliff. And so the people, are, the Persians are watching, and shortly thereafter, this same soldier comes out of a crack down by the foundation, scales down the cliff, grabs his helmet, climbs back up the cliff, into the crack, and the Persians were like, "Aha! Uh-huh. We found our we, way in. We to now the know how to get in." So, while they were sleeping that night, the Persian army came in one by one through that crack, and when they woke up in the morning, guess who was in the fortress? Surrounded them. They were taken captive, and that's why Jesus said, "Wake up! Wake up! <laughs> Wake up! You think you're secure." But you are not. I'm telling you, God does not want us to have cracks in our foundation. You know, what's interesting is when, when he was telling them this, the Sardis people knew their history. They knew of this story. And this, this is a, a story that Greg has looked up through the historians. And they, the Sardis people knew the history too, and they knew this story. So they knew the lingo, and they knew they needed to take care of some things when he's talking to them about this. Um, you know, I can't help but quote 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Be, so beware if you think it could never happen to you, lest your pride become your downfall. I know years ago when Greg and I were just starting in the ministry and we had heard of some ministers fall and we were just so mad. We were just so mad and it was really affecting us. We were like, how could they do this? How could they? How could they? And God convicted both of us very strongly and said, it is by my grace that I keep you on the right path. And don't be pointing your finger because once you do, it's going to come back on you. I'm telling you, we did. We went, oh, we are so sorry, God. We will not be pointing our finger. We will hold on to you, and it's only by God's grace that you're going to keep us, our marriage together, our ministry together. We, we could fall. We could get a crack in our foundation just like anybody else. We realize that that's pride when you point the finger. How many of you know this whole Christian thing works by one rule, the rule of, you know, see people fall, be the prop, help them up. If you can't prop them up, pray for them. Yeah, it's tragic when people fall, ministers fall, but pray for them instead of just throwing rocks at them. That won't serve you well, I guarantee it. Verse 4, yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. They are the ones that are holding fast. Verse 5, and all who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. You know, just in that verse 4, those who are worthy is really a a reference to those who have grit, to hang tight. And this was also, Sardis was like a garment district of the Roman Empire, you know, some of the wealthy cities, Paris, London, Rome, you know, what, what, what are the, some of the fashion industry, Sardis was kind of like that. And so he's using the white clothing, and they knew what that meant. They had not soiled their clothes. They are white. They are pure. They are clean in great garments and the book of life. 
They had two books in the Roman Empire. The one book was those who had died, and the other book was those who's, who were still living. So this was also a reference to something they already understood. They understood that you can be erased from the book of life and put into the book of death. This was lingo they understood. That you can be erased from the book of life. You can be erased from the kingdom. <laughs> so if they went to the government and said, hey, I'm Greg Martin and, uh, you know, the garbage man that I'm paying taxes for didn't show up. What's the deal? They would look up your name. Oh, Greg Martin? Yeah. Okay, we'll check into that. You know, I don't know what happened. And they would get, you know, you had a right to appeal to the government if your name was in the book of life. You're li living. Mm -hmm. But if you cross the government for some reason... They would erase your name. And then you want to go appeal to the government for something? They'd be like, You got no rights. You're not here. You got no rights. We're going to beat you up, boy. <laughs> you know, we, we did an illustration a few weeks ago about the umbrella and the covering of God. And God wants you in the book of life, He wants you under His covering. But sometimes we choose to go out from under the umbrella. We allow ourselves to be not under the covering of God. I don't know about you, but I want to take care of cracks in my foundation because I want to be in the book of life. I don't want the enemy to creep in because he saw an area where I was, uh-oh, she, she, she didn't take care of that. Last verse. Verse 6. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the church. Would you stand with us? Just because you got ears on your head doesn't mean you're listening. But the Lord, this isn't an isolated verse. This is all through Jesus' teachings in the gospel. Those who have ears to hear, listen. You know, one of the things I believe with all my heart, we are living in biblical times. This thing prophetically, there's so much going on in the world today that the Bible has written about, and we are on the verge of some amazing times the prophets foretold thousands of years ago. We are in biblical times. So it is appropriate that this church is our wake-up call that we are looking at our foundations and, and we get out of pride and we realize that we are vulnerable unless we take care of some spiritual things. We need to be strong in the day we live. Does it mean we might be vulnerable to persecution or ridicule? Absolutely. But this is a time for people of grit to live for God like they've never lived before. This is our day. This is your day to be unashamed of Jesus Christ, your testimony, your miracle, what God has done for you, what he's been faithful to you. Even when you've not been faithful, he remains faithful. With every head bowed and eye closed, you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You're watching. Man, don't delay. Today's the day. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. 
But we can make a decision today that will change. One of the things he says to all the churches is there's a time to repent. And repentance isn't a thing we do at the beginning of our salvation. Repentance is a thing that we have to continue to do because we are human and we miss it and we get off track. But like the church of Sardis, repent. Get back right with God. John the Baptist went around saying, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And I want to say that today. The kingdom of God is near. Get right while we still have opportunity to self-correct ourselves. On the count of three, if you need to receive Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit, I want you to raise your hand when I hit three. And Pastor Starling is going to lead us all in a prayer. One, today's your day. Two, don't delay another moment. Three, raise your hand. The Lord loves you, seeking you. Amen. Come on. Yes. Praise God. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your sweet presence that is wooing your people. Those watching me online, those listening to me, God is calling you. Take care of those cracks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Pray this prayer with me. Those listening Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you. I thank you. For your precious blood. For your precious blood. That forgives me. That forgives me. Where I've fallen short. Where I've fallen short. Of your best. Of your best. I thank you today. I thank you today. That you forgive me. That you forgive where me. Where I have allowed. Where I've allowed. Some things to slip. Where I've allowed some I've things allowed to slip. I've allowed some cracks. I've allowed some cracks. In my foundation. In my foundation. And I ask today. And I ask today. That your blood. That your blood. Would forgive me. Would forgive me. And cleanse me. Me. And cleanse me. And that I would be new. And I would be new. In you. In you. Seal the cracks today. Seal the cracks today, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I receive you. I receive you. I accept you. I accept you. As my Savior. As my Savior. And my Lord. And my Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. 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 Amen.